the pandemic, um, as well as my grief journey, has just really forced me to do a lot of more deep diving in my, you know, into my inner world. And really, I think the biggest blessing is that um, it's forced me, or I've chosen to, because of this, you know, stillness, I've chosen to work on coming home to myself. And the most probably powerful epiphany that I had is that home can be anywhere as long as there is love. Welcome, it's Amelia Andalion, yoga and meditation teacher. It's Monday, December 14, 2020, and the voice you just heard was from our guest today, Carlin Langyar. The theme for this episode, I struggled with deciding on a theme because there were so many lessons, there were so many nuggets that I heard that were powerful in this episode, and ultimately I chose Home is Love. You're going to hear Carlin share her story about her grief journey of losing her husband. You're going to hear her share stories about working with wildlife as a wildlife conservationist in Zambia and in Madagascar working with lemurs. And a thread throughout this episode was ultimately using her tools as a yoga teacher, um, teaching meditation, practicing meditation, doing shadow work, that she was able to arrive to this place and this epiphany that home is love. And that was the theme that I finally settled on and probably partly because it resonated with myself so much that I have also traveled in my life and have experienced not feeling settled and settled in my body and settled in my mind. And when I listened to Carlin's story and her lessons and her wisdom, it inspired me and reminded me that at times if I'm feeling lost, that, you know, coming back to yourself and finding that love within yourself and that home is love. Yeah, so listen to this episode. It's really, really powerful. Carlin is a beautiful light in this world. And I wanna share a little bit more about Car Carlin Langyar. Carlin infuses her lifelong passion and previous career in wildlife conservation management into her life coaching work, consisting of yoga, meditation, and energetic alignment. She embodies and catalyzes deep transformation and uses the lessons from nature and universal wisdom to help guide you home to your authentic self and your inherent connection to the universe. You can find her on Instagram and Carla at Carlin underscore Langyar and also at her email. I'll put that all in the episode notes. So stay tuned, take a listen. It's fascinating listening to her, her, her ways of staying spiritually fit and also hearing about an encounter with an elephant. And it's a really, really great episode. I'm so happy to bring this to you today. And just a brief note before I jump into the episode and the short 30 second break is today in California, we had our first frontline workers receiving vaccinations. And in the UK, they began receiving them last week. And I am present to just, the, just this time of history that we are all in together. 
that we have all been experiencing almost an existential crisis, some of us, you know, experiencing a, a pandemic like we've never experienced before, like never, ever before this specific COVID-19 pandemic. And now I'm grateful I'm experiencing hope. Hope for a lot of reasons, but today just seeing people getting the vaccine and there might be some naysayers worrying about is the vaccine ready? And I am viewing viewing it as progress, as progress for healing, progress. There are the old days when there was polio and measles and, and this is our time and we are going to get through this. We already are. We already are. So I just want to leave you with that brief slice of time on December 14th, what's happening today. Sit back, enjoy, 30 second break. Great episode with Carlin Langyar. Thank you so much for being here. Peace out. Welcome, Carlin. I'm so excited for you to be here as a guest on Spiritually Fit Yoga. And I'm happy that you're here also as my friend and to connect with you and for me to have the opportunity to share the awesomeness that you are <laughs> and all the lessons for you to share with our, our listeners about how you stay spiritually fit. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amelia. It's a real pleasure and honor to be here. And also just beautiful to reconnect with you. Yeah, yeah. I know it's been it's been several years and I know a lot has happened. A lot has happened mm -hmm. in both of our lives mm -hmm. since we've seen each other. And to stay in alignment with my podcast, I always like to invite my guests to start off first to get a sense of what does spirituality mean to you? And what does it mean when you hear the words spiritually fit? Mm, that's a great question. Spirituality to me is really finding that connection, that inherent connection that we, we all have with the kind of broader world and, and then within ourselves and um, finding that harmony to live within the bigger, broader community of the outer world um, in a place that's aligned um, to our own um, you know, energetic frequency or like our soul alignment to really live out our purpose and be who we are, who we are truly at our soul level. Mm -hmm. And then how I stay spiritually fit. So this has been, you know, a lifelong project, I guess I would say. Um, I think following my own passions over the years and really listening to what lights me up um, has you know, helped me steer into my spiritual alignment. And I found that, you know, the biggest pieces for me are um, involve nature, connection to nature. I think when we're in nature, we kind of get back to our, our true frequency. Um, and then movement is a huge component of my spiritual fitness of getting into the body. Um, and then that both of those kind of together help facilitate that connection or that, you know, back and forth dialogue and communication that we have with our outer world. Um, and really just seeing, coming to the point where I see myself as a spiritual being in a human body and a human vessel 
um, I think is also what really shaped my spiritual journey. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And I know that you have been living abroad and our listeners do not, but would you share, so I have, I have two questions about that. Would you mm-hmm. share where you had been living? Well, where are you right now? Where am I speaking to you right now? Uh, right now, I'm actually um, just outside of Pinedale, Wyoming. You're in Wyoming today. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you had lived several years um, abroad. And would you share a little bit about what you're living yeah, like where were you geographically and what you were doing, what your job was there? Sure. Um, so I have been a like a wildlife conservationist is my general background and professional career. It was marine for many years, um, just before moving to Wyoming for however long I'll be here. Um, I was in Zambia uh, in the middle of the bush next to the premier national park. Um, so I was doing a lot of um NGO conservation work with conservation um, education um, within communities and particularly within the schools um, and the youth, but then also with adult community groups. Mm-hmm. And then pre- and I also mm-hmm. worked in um, the Caribbean several years, Central America, a little bit in the Philippines, um, Zanzibar, and Olympic Peninsula, of course, where I met you. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, well, I'm a traveler like you. I don't know if I've traveled all the countries. <laughs> I know I haven't traveled at all the, in all the countries that you have. And um, I've loved following you. And I know sometimes I would see you sharing photos of doing yoga with a giraffe or mm. an elephant or, you know, different. And what was that like for you? And, and do you have a specific story of like, do you have a, an animal encounter that, that sticks out the most to you that maybe was the most spiritual? I mean, you probably have a oh, lot, but is yes. there something oh, that comes probably, to mind? There's probably uh, too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think Zambia was probably the place where I had um, the greatest number of really close wildlife encounters from within the house um, you know, elephants, um, particularly um, during the, the two rainy seasons I was there. Um, in each season, a, a different male bull elephant would periodically just come right to the kitchen window and just hang oh gosh. a few minutes. And there were times where I opened the window so there was nothing separating us um, except like the metal bars and it was structurally safe. So the elephant, even if it would have banged up against the cement wall of the house, we would have been, I would have been fine. Um, But there was a point where the elephant reached out um, with his trunk and would just smell me and sense me. And at one point, and I stayed very still and calm. And Mm. um, one time he um, reached his trunk and tapped my fingers that were (gasps) holding the metal grill of the the window. And I didn't move. (laughs) I just let him kind of touch me. And that was, um, that was really powerful and really humbling. But yeah, there were many others with, you know, leopards, giraffes, um, a lot of um, primates and bush babies. So so, yeah, I would say that the elephants being that close, knowing how wild, how intelligent, um, how intuitive they are, I think mm-hmm. the book kind of hit me 
um, the most. <laughs> and also at a visceral level, you realize okay, this is a very potentially dangerous animal um, mm. that does, you know, result in deaths um, every mm. year that, that part of Zambia, um, but just really, um, of course, it wasn't a safe place, but also understanding that they can pick up on your energy and, and we all have the ability to pick up on their energy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had the awareness to be respectful of the strength and the power that this, this great animal, this magnificent, magnificent like animal who could have caused harm, but you were in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, what does that feel like? I mean, were you, were you looking in each other's eyes or was there a connection or what was that like? Yes, definitely a connection. Um, and just really seeing like such a wise, um, grounded creature, just really seeing another being, you know, like another, we're all sentient beings. And uh, I know I mentioned earlier that I see myself now as a spiritual being in a human body. So it was almost like being able to connect at that level of just beingness um, beyond the, you know, the, the worldly ways that we place definitions on um, animals and elephant and person. And um, it was just a little bit going beyond that and really just um, finding that connection of like a higher, a higher universal level. Mm-hmm. Wow. And before Zambia, I know that there was a time when you were doing a lot of conservation work for lemurs in Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then what, what prompted that? What is it about lemurs? And maybe you could describe, not all of our listeners know um, what a lemur is and or where Madagascar is. Sure. Um, lemurs are my favorite animals. They're only native to Madagascar, um, which is the fourth largest island in the world um, off the um, east coast of Africa, so off of Mozambique. Mm-hmm. Hugely diverse. Um, so lemurs are a group of primates. They're in a different group than like monkeys and great apes. They're in a group called the Persimians. Um, and vastly, vastly diverse, you know, 110 and probably growing number of different species. So when you think of just the jaw-dropping number of primate diversity on one island, um, it's that's impressive in itself. But then you get the range of these teeny tiny mouse-sized lemurs um, to large kind of teddy bear-sized um, lemurs. And I think for me, what really draws me to them is they have um, this element of um, a lot of kind of animals that I love, like cats, you know, they have this kind of cat-like quality, but at the same time, when you see them hop, they have almost like a kangaroo. Um, Some of them have these really beautiful, like squirrely tails, Um, and they're quite curious. Um, They're quite intelligent. A lot of people don't view them as, as intelligent as monkeys and whatnot, but there has been scientific research showing that they do, uh, some of them are actually very intelligent and problem solvers. Um, and um, I just think they're, they're majestic creatures. There's one particularly that when it 
calls in the forest, it's, um, I just start, start breaking down and crying. It's just this like echo in my heart. <laughs> and it's, mm. it's, they also call them this particular species, the injury, the humpbacks of the rainforest, the humpback whales of the rainforest. And it really, the frequency just kind of hits you at this level of um, really being humbled. <laughs> um, and yeah, it moves, it moves me to tears. And it, um, so that's probably another one of my kind of favorite wildlife encounters is with the different species of lemurs in Madagascar. Wow. So it, it makes me think of, I actually don't know what the sound of that line, I've heard a humpback whale, but not this lemur uh, cry, or I don't know if cry is the right mm -hmm. word. But, you know, wondering if it's if it's matching up with the frequency of some chakra or I don't have you thought of that? Ooh, I haven't researched that. No, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wondering if the frequency is at a place that like whether it's at the heart chakra or, you know, sound mm -hmm. sound can be so healing and uh, moving Absolutely. You know, for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, back to Zambia. I know you and I, we've talked and I've, I've followed your journey, especially this last year or so. And you've been through something. You've been quite, been through quite a bit this last year or two, and especially since Zambia. And mm -hmm. um, do you mind sharing your, I know, you know, our listeners could hear, wow, it's a, an adventurous life you have working with the animals and at the same time, you've experienced something profound and and you've had your way of working through it. So I'm being vague because I, I would like you to fill in the details. But um, if you're ready, would you like to share? Sure. So I moved over to Zambia with my husband and my husband had on and off struggled with depression um, throughout our almost 13, about 13 years um, together. And in Zambia, his... Um, depression um, was really, really pulling him down into a darker place that he had emerged from before with tools. But because we were in such a remote um, part of really bush without access to a lot of the, the resources like mental health care um, or even the, the medicine um, that could have potentially helped him, one of his outlets for depression was running, but it was quite dangerous to run there because of all the wildlife. He would still do it, um, maybe not as much as uh, or as long as he would like. Um, but right before he was supposed to go back to the U.S., he took his own life. Um, and so that happened, you know, in in the wild. Um, and it was, you know, a little bit of a process of just even searching for him. Um, he had left a suicide note and he had um, left, you know, clues and messages. Um, in my heart of hearts, I knew that he had attempted suicide. So it was a matter of finding, you know, trying to find him or get a little bit more to the bottom of that. And um, so that has really propelled me on a deeper inner journey um, as I worked through my grief of, of his loss. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's really taken me down a new path almost altogether in terms of 
career and, and why I'm back in the United States now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when was that? When did that, what was the date or the general that date? It was um, June 19th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it took a, you know, it took a few days to, you know, at first he was just missing and it took a few days to confirm it, but we were so connected that when I went to bed that first night, I just cosmically knew if he was still out there and still alive, I would feel it. You know, you, you hear people talk about like mothers with their children and those kind of um, intuitive or just body knowing. And, and I, I didn't want to believe it because when I, you know, through that whole night, I just knew he wasn't, he wasn't alive. Um, several, several days to confirm it, but it, so June 19th was the day that he, you know, um, went missing. And um, based on the witnesses that we do have, the, the fishermen, um, that he did die um, that evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Carlin. And I know it's been, what, over a year? Yeah, what, mm-hmm. about a year? Yeah, and so, a half, so year. Mm-hmm. 16 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have, you have been through your own journey of, of grief, your own grief journey. Mm-hmm. And you've had your tools and, and it seems like now you're like coming up, like arising from this is what I've, what I've witnessed. And can you share a little bit of your experience of that? Sure. I would say from the beginning, the, what I really tapped into, because I had about 20 years of meditation experience and then um, maybe half of that with some yoga experience. And I've always been really tuned into nature. Nature is my place of connection. And so nature um, was and always probably will be a place of healing for me or, you know, coming back to myself. Um, so I, I would say the the immediate response that I had is I really wanted to just be open to the whole, whatever would happen, the whole unpredictable unfurling of this journey and recognize that one, it would be my own unique experience and, um, you know, everyone in their own grief journey They'll move through it, you know, in different stages at different times and different um, ebbs and flows. And so I just really had the intention of moving through it all, no matter what came up and confronting everything head on and not trying to skip over something or pretend, you know, an emotion wasn't there. Um, So that was probably you know, the number one thing for me. And then um, number two was to just really have a lot of compassion um, for my husband and his, his choice, you know, at the end of the day, we are all on our own individual life path and it wasn't going to make anything better by, you know, trying to relive certain things or, um, play out different conversations or, um, you know, have regrets. None none of that would change the outcome. And to just 
respect, okay, that was his life path. That was his free will choice. It's not what I wanted. Certainly not what I wanted for him. So trying to really keep that level of compassion and then have self-compassion for myself at the end of the day too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that your your background of being a yoga teacher, of being a yoga practitioner and meditation, that, you know, sometimes people can experience loss and they could numb out and they could run away or they could escape. But you, you went in, you allowed yourself to feel all the feels. Mm -hmm. That was really essential. And I think that's what the yoga practice really primed me for was, you know, because to have a regular, consistent yoga practice, eventually when you show up on the mat, you're showing up for yourself in all aspects of yourself, even the parts of yourself that you don't want to see. And I think that's a lot of, a, a um, or a reason why a lot of people struggle to have a regular yoga practice is because when those aspects surface, you know, that practice mirrors back to you who you really are, and you see the the crap about yourself that you don't want to see, or, you know, the so-called crap, because it's really not bad or good or right or wrong. It just is a part of us. But when we run away from it, um, you know, then we're not actually diving in and having those kind of breaking, breaking out of that mold of ourself and seeing um, the bigger, the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So I think yoga just taught me that you show up no matter what is being reflected back at you when you work, you work through it. Yeah, that's such no a how uncomfortable it is because mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable and life does involve suffering and we can't get around it, but can we get through it and can we do it with as much self-compassion and vulnerability and maybe even a little bit of grace, you know, grace isn't a word that you often pair up with something like grief or shadow work, but, um, going through with vulnerability and self-compassion is key. Yeah, there's the saying that that suffering is inevitable and misery is optional. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable in, in your sharing. And so I'm... I feel like at the time that we're in right now with COVID happening and, and there are a lot of people that are experiencing grief for different reasons, whether it's illness or whether it's um, maybe their candidate didn't get voted in <laughs> that they wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, there could be, there's all different types of losses and grief. And, uh, and then speaking to your experience of grief and, you know, and after Cam's death, uh, for anyone that is, what would you what would you offer like some i don't know if lessons or something that you would offer somebody that's experiencing grief sure that's a really good question and i think you're right 
that collectively the whole world is on some level going through grief because, mm-hmm. you know, things are just not happening how we anticipated or how we thought, or we've all had some kind of loss um, on some level. Mm-hmm. I think some of the things that have um, kept me afloat the most, I would say, to to really stay grounded to myself. I know that's kind of a big word and a big practice in itself. Um, and I would just offer for anyone, um, because there are so many different types of grounding practices, but I think one really beautiful and key practice is coming back to gratitude because it's when we start focusing on the things that we don't know, which really everything is uncertain at the end of the day anyway, but take, you know, coming um, back to the present moment through gratitude helps us shift away from what we don't know and get into a frequency of, well, what do we know? Um, And so um, really feeling into all of the things that we're grateful for. And they can just be really small, simple things, but it allows us to anchor into what we do know in this, in this moment right here and right now. I know I, I can anchor in this and be grateful for it. Yeah, that's great. And for people that are grieving also, like what is it that you heard that was helpful or wish you would hear, you know, when you're in the process and the grieving process? And was there anything that you heard that you wish people didn't say? You know, what would like for me, if I'm like, if I was going to say something to you, like, what would, what would you advise to those of us that are wanting to support our, our friends that are grieving? And um, yeah, what would you say? Right. So I think first and foremost, um, reaching out and sharing, you know, sympathy, um, you, you can't really go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. Even just saying, I don't know what to say, because in moments like that, does anyone really know what to say? Mm-hmm. I think the word that was the most striking um, and powerful for me um, was someone reached out and said, I am abiding with you. And I looked a little bit more into it. And then um, this, this friend who I had also you know, met years ago back in college through a Buddhist um, Sangha, a Buddhist um, meditation community. And she sent me an article Um, to this whole concept of abiding with someone through their grief or through any loss that they had in their life. And it was really um, quite potent because it just is like giving someone the space to do and be whatever they need to. And just to say, look, I honor and respect whatever you need to do to, to get through your journey. And it's just almost like that allowing or that recognition um, that that gives a lot of openness and a lot of compassion inherently. So I think that was a really beautiful word, abiding, to abide with someone in their journey and, you know, anything, a note. um, and, And it's never too late. If someone lost 
um, a close loved one, you know, it, it was months ago or even a couple of years ago, it's never too late to just reach out and say, hey, um, I don't know what to say, but I abide with you or I just I'm holding you in my heart. Wow, that is great advice. I actually had not heard heard that before. I'm abiding with you. Thank Thanks you. for that. Yeah. yeah, that suggestion. And was there something that you might have heard that you found was not helpful just to advise us not to say? <laughs> um, I think when, you know, anytime you use the word should, I think remove the word should from our vocab vocabulary vocabulary will be a little um, just take off any kind of expectations, release any pressure. And um, I think we all do have our own life experience and, um, and that does bring a lot of embodied wisdom. Um, but, you know, it, it's not necessary to, to say in my, you know, journey doing this, 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 this really helped. You should try this or you know, mm. maybe just say, um, I've worked through some things. If you ever want to reach out to me, I'm here for you. Um, but to say like, well, you should just, you know, make sure you get up every day and do X, Y, or Z, or you should just make sure you're still breathing <laughs> or make sure <laughs> you should make sure you're still eating, <laughs> you know, um, and they all really, all of these things come from a place of good intention, right? So, um, it's not that it's bad, but I think it can be more opening to just come from a, a more general place and just a like space holding um, place and just um, state, you know, I'm here for you if you need, you know, and then share whatever you might be able to offer, whether it's a meal or if you need um, a conversation, if you just need, um, if you want me to guide you through a meditation, you know, whatever it is that they want to offer, but not like you should, or I will do this, um, but just, it's okay to put it out there. Um, because I think what we do all feel on some level is that there is a, a pure intention, um, even if we don't know how to, and I'm sure I've been guilty of saying awkward things um, to those who have lost loved ones. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's always a learning process. Yeah, thanks for your tips. And I, I do feel like sometimes it feels awkward, whether it's a loss of for whatever reason, or whether it's cancer or a suicide or whatever it is, sometimes we feel like we're at a loss. And, uh, and I'm really going to take your advice, um, that abiding. It's like, mm -hmm. that's, that is really, that's really powerful. I really appreciate appreciate that. And then not saying you should <laughs> prescribing <laughs> advice, prescribing <laughs> advice, which a lot of times for us, we're actually trying to make ourselves feel better because we're helping, you know, we think we're helping and it's always coming from a good intention. And, um, but it helps for me to hear it from somebody that has been through it, you know, that you've mm -hmm. been there, you've experienced it, you've received it. And um, thank you. Thank you for those yeah, tips. You're welcome. Yeah. And then I have witnessed you emerge and and become lighter and brighter through this journey. And that's my my observation of you. You know, I haven't seen you in person in years, but at least just seeing what you're posting and writing on social media. And um, yeah, so how are you doing today? 
I would say just in general, in the past several months, I just really hit this place where I'm in such a good place and I'm so much um, better able to experience just joy and appreciation in the simple things. I think in the past, I was a little bit of a, you know, chaser of kind of novel experiences and looking forward to kind of events and things, you know, ex external things. And of course, right now in COVID, a lot of those things we can't do anyway. But I would say um, being able to achieve just this level of enjoying the simple, the, the, the very mundane things about life and just feel so much love and gratitude and joy in the simple things has been um, probably like a, a huge achievement or just um, like I'm just in such a really good place and I never expected to be here <laughs> but um, it, it's yeah it's been overwhelming and, and very humbling. Mm. Yeah it's it's good to hear like a, a message of hope, you know, hope and inspiration that there is hope from whether well, it's a dark place or, or working through what you needed to in your grief, grief journey. And to hear that you're, you're in such a good place right now, which mm -hmm. is, uh, yeah, thanks for, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And then today you're in Wyoming. And is this where you are what, what is this a, a hopping off spot or like, where are you? What, what What's going on now with you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I came here um, to, to work and to my, my best friend said, just come and live with me for a while and my family um, to help me kind of um, get back into a better place, you know, reconnect with nature and, um, and then, you know, I was planning on doing a fall road trip, which I've, I'm still doing. Um, uh, but then also, um, <laughs> I just really unexpectedly met someone. <laughs> it looks like I'm staying here for the time being and um, just to explore a new relationship and um, set up my online business. Um, I'll register here in Wyoming and... And honestly, I, I don't know. Like, I think I always had this vision of I'm going to live internationally, um, but still come back to the U.S. And I think I'm just really open to however things play out and whatever is in the, the best interest. Um, so just kind of feeling, feeling it out instead of figuring it out um, and just going with the flow of it. And sometimes the universe surprises us in ways that we never... <laughs> would have seen possible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that's, I love that feeling it out instead of figuring it out. Yes. And so that's one of the other kind of really big take homes for me is to just get a little bit out of my mind and my need to know things and control things. Um, instead, really um, connect with myself and my, you know, all of us have intuitive, you know, our gut feelings and um, to really come back into that. And so getting out of the mind um, and getting back into the body, I think is, is one way to help facilitate that reconnection to our intuition and um, our inherent, um, you know, our natural kind of genius, really, when it comes down to it, that the body has 
And so that's why yoga and, and even meditation have been so powerful because they do really help you get back into the body and use the somatics of, uh, of um, the connection and, and those tools. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that too. Our natural, <laughs> our natural genius. <laughs> yeah. So, and then you mentioned your online business. Can you share more? Is that your, your online Kundalini or, or what is it right now? Um, so it started with, um, and it probably will still incorporate um, teaching yoga and um, I do distant Reiki healing um, and I'm moving into more of a life, um, spiritual life coaching um, practice. So working with clients one-on-one, eventually, you know, my plan was to be leading um, nature-based retreats with wildlife and incorporating my love of conservation and wildlife with um, spirituality and, you know, yoga, meditation and movement um, in our settings. But that will be on pause until we can all travel internationally or even nationally again. Um, So I do envision, you know, leading group retreats and uh, group programs, as well as one-on-one client work online. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to sign up <laughs> for one of those retreats. <laughs> that's that's totally... places I want to go. <laughs> yeah, that's totally up my alley, connecting nature with animals, with yoga and spirituality. Oh, my yeah, God. It really is. Like, yeah. You yeah. are still there, definitely. <laughs> And, and well, you know, I know, I know what Reiki is. I'm a Reiki healer. You, both of us are Reiki healers, but would you briefly share like what your Reiki, you do distance Reiki? Is that what you do? And could you share with people that don't know what that is? Sure. So basically I'm just tapping into um, universal life force energy, which uh, comes only for the highest and greatest good um, and channeling that um, with, you know, very positive intention for how it can benefit the recipient in the way that will benefit him or her um, in, you know, whatever they need at that point in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done Reiki healing, distance Reiki healing, and I don't know if you have this experience, but honestly, it's still gives me chills and goosebumps every once in a while. Well, actually a lot when I check in with the the recipient afterwards and and if we discuss, you know, what the experience was and that if, you know, wherever I was setting my intention or, you know, virtually laying my hand somewhere on their body that at that exact time they were feeling it on the exact place in their body as I was doing it. I mean, I, I believe in it. I practice it, but it still is amazing that this, um, that we're all energy, that energy can travel that way. Yes. And it can travel beyond space and time, which is, you know, somehow mind blowing for our kind of earth, earth based. Um, we tap into just being humans. Um, but when, yeah, when I've had those, those connections with people, um, it's, I also just feel overcome with, I almost just start crying. Like it's this, um, deep humbling, just really feeling like there's something bigger and deeper 
than just me, you know, my lowercase s self Mm -hmm. Um, and how much potential is really out there. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna step back. I I refer to myself and you as a healer, and um, and I guess I, for me, I I want to clarify what I really mean by that is that I am a channel, and that I actually don't think that I am doing healing. I actually feel like I'm allowing the universe to work through me because I've been attuned. You know, I've received a certain type of training. I set the intention, and it's really the the person receiving it that their own natural healer is awakened, that it's actually them healing themselves. Is, is that how you understand yes, that? Yes, yes. And that's how I've been taught it. And that's, um, you know, I love that, that we're just like facilitating um, a healing experience or to bring out the inherent ability of the other person to, to heal themselves. And I think that's, um, that movement in yoga is also shifting of how, I think as yoga came to the West and, you know, there were all of these gurus um, and, you know, these almost enlightened, so-called enlightened teachers, and that it almost created a dependency on that external person. And now Mm -hmm. it really feels like in the yoga world, we're moving back to a place of the teacher helps maybe hold a mirror up to you or, show you where your blind spots are, um, but really they're just enabling you to find the inner teacher within yourself. And that ultimately we are our own best teacher and we, and we know best, but sometimes we, it really does help to have um, someone else who's experienced and done that work reflect back to us and, um, you know, help, help us see what we're not able to see um, outside of ourselves you know, from, from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could, we could spiral off into a whole <laughs> tangent about that guru discussion. <laughs> I know that my, my teacher, Baron Baptiste, he, you know, he has always said, I am not your guru. I'm not, he's this master teacher. And, you know, he teaches us that, you know, we are actually, he holds space for us to discover our, our inner teacher and we have seen in the world that there have been self-proclaimed gurus that have, mm-hmm. hmm, I guess it seems like, you know, there's been a, an abuse of power or, you know, power can be used for good or it can be used for not so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're in this, they're in this privileged position. And, um, and I take that to heart as a teacher. And I know you do too, that it's, it's a privilege when somebody comes to us as a student. And as a, a recipient a of, of Reiki mm-hmm. and a responsibility. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I do have a really beautiful quote on um, this concept of healer, which I can share with you. It's from Eric Michael Leventhal and my, my Reiki master um, who taught my Reiki um, classes is the one who shared it with me. Um, but the quote is a healer's power stems not from any special ability but from maintaining the courage and awareness to embody and express the universal healing power that every human being naturally possesses. Mm, That is beautiful. Would you read that again? It's just so, it's so profound. I want to hear it again. Sure. Healer's power stems not from any special ability, but from maintaining the courage and awareness to embody and express 
the universal healing power that every human being naturally possesses. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sure. I can for reading it. Send mm-hmm. that to you in an email as well. That quote. Yeah, and I and I'll um I'll copy it and put it in the episode notes for for this episode. So, oh, that's so great. And um, mm-hmm. oh, I don't really want to wrap up, but we're gonna wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you might have already shared your um your ways you stay spiritually fit, but uh, what would be top three, your top three suggestions for our listeners on how to stay spiritually fit? Sure. So number one for me would be staying grounded. Um, and that, you know, a, a grounding practice can be different for every different person. Uh, within that grounding practice, gratitude is a huge, you know, I think a critical component Another one for me is getting into the body. So getting out of my, you know, our kind of the chatter in our, our mind and really getting into the body. Um, so I do that through different forms of movement. If I'm not doing yoga, you know, it could be through just taking a walk or a hike or a jog or kayaking, whatever you have access to, really. And then um, another really, really, and I know we didn't go into this very much yet, um, was for for me to understand the importance of doing my, my inner shadow work and really facing all of the dark things in myself that I didn't, you know, that I've always kind of wanted to just pretend weren't there or that I could just, you know, come out and be, you know, love and light. And, um, but it was really embracing, acknowledging and giving a lot of love and compassion to those shadow and, you know, the emotions of like, for example, grief or anger um, pain, sorrow, all of those emotions that we tend to associate with, you know, like negative, mm-hmm. bad, you know, bad feelings. I don't want to feel guilt or shame. So we kind of try to tuck them away, but it was really in, in bringing them out and working through, um, my shadow energies that has really allowed the light to be brighter and um, it's given me a whole, you know, a deeper lightness of being, so to speak. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for for touching on that. Is it is it possible for you to to share a brief description for somebody that doesn't know what shadow work is? Sure. So um, there are different ways of working with shadow and, and um, I'm not a specialist in Um, psychology um, by any means Um, but it's really um, confronting and moving through the the things that we don't want to see or those um, kind of I guess you could call them lower vibrational energies or um, feelings that in society we tend to kind of shy away from or um, try to avoid but we can actually end up doing a lot of spiritual bypass and if we don't work through those shadow shadow energies and emotions um so for me shadow work is really just confronting those shadow emotions head-on working through them so the only way to get out is to go through (laughs) to go through those really sticky uncomfortable and you know sometimes really awful (laughs) sensations instead of trying to go around because you really can't go around them 
Yeah, I, I feel like that's a great way to sum it up is like the way out is through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to and be like to be with those those feelings, the the dark feelings, the uncomfortable feelings. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Sure. And yeah. And then through this this year or or maybe you be, you can even go back through what you experienced in your grief journey. What what has been a blessing or a gift you've experienced through this pandemic or or this last mm-hmm. year or so? What would you share? I would say it really feels like a a pause that has allowed us to rethink things at an individual as well as collective level um, and that sometimes in order to to make progress we need to actually slow down and it, this comes back also to being able to sit in the stillness and in in the present moment so it's this whole <laughs> the pandemic um, as well as my grief journey has just really forced me to do a lot of more deep diving in my, you know, into my inner world. And really, I think the biggest blessing is that um, it's forced me, or I've chosen to, because of this, you know, stillness, I've chosen to work on coming home to myself. And the most probably powerful epiphany that I have is that home can be anywhere, as long as there's love. So for me, like, Achieving full self-love and acceptance is probably the greatest gift I've ever received in my lifetime so far. Yeah, you and I were talking earlier, and you were talking about home is love. Mm-hmm. And I think before, you know, that could have been just an expression or it could have just... Um, you know, maybe I've never heard of that expression itself. Uh, you know, there is in the kind of yoga and spiritual world that, you know, come home to yourself. Um, but it dropped into me when it, when it really felt embodied and it really felt like I'm not just hearing or saying these words, but it's like a living out process. It's that it landed to me like home is love. And now that I have that love for myself I'm always home in myself and with that self-love has come self-trust a deeper ability for me to tap into my intuition and just and just really trust myself yeah yeah that is that is so great because sometimes we can be searching and feel lost and feel like we're never at home if we're looking for it in a, a place or a person or a job, you know, it could be all of those places. And, and yet, you know, if you can, one, find the love within yourself and then feel that home in yourself, um, then that connects back to your grounding, you know, your suggestion to be grounded, you know, like almost grounded in your, in the love and the love for yourself and a home is love. Absolutely. Hmm. When you really do achieve that level of self-love and self-compassion, I've just noticed how less judgmental and how much more compassionate I, I am to everybody else out there. And I think what we're all seeing is everyone's handling the situation in different ways. And really, 
everyone's kind of just doing the best they can with what they what they have and so it's allowed me to just release judgment of you know how you know how we're other people are processing this or how the state of the world is and i think if we if we all come to a place of less judgment and more compassionate we'll show up for each other in in a radically different way and i think the world would look um a lot more harmonized and a lot more connected if we came from that place oh wouldn't that be wonderful <laughs> to live in that right world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it happens when people like you create it like that. People like you and the people that you teach or people that I teach, you know, if we all as teachers, you know, can spread spread our love and light and to go back you mentioned spiritual bypassing for people that don't know that term, it can be a way of it can be a way of bypassing like the discomfort to be so love and light and to be so positive vibes only that you don't look at the shadow or you don't look at the discomfort that we could, you know, overlook. It can almost be a way to numb out if we're not careful, if we're not mindful and aware. And at the same time, love and light is beautiful, you know, when it's coming from you know, that intentional, intentional aware place. Yeah, so well said. Mm -hmm. Well, Carlin, I've enjoyed connecting with you. And I'm excited that I got to share, you know, your wisdom and your story with everyone. And is there anything else you would like to share? I don't think so. I think, um, I think maybe just never underestimate the power of the change that you can have in the outer world just by working on, on yourself and getting to uh, a more solid, compassionate place with yourself. And that that is, you know, being an, an example for the outer world. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, I actually have one more question mm -hmm. that came to mind. Um, if there's someone out there experiencing grief, and grief of a of a loved one that they've lost a loved one and they are experiencing guilt to move on almost like they're not allowing themselves to feel joy again you know out of mm -hmm. guilt mm -hmm. what would, what would you say to them well first of all i think we are complex and as humans we have the the whole range of emotions and it's possible to have, you know, the duality of two emotions at the same time. Um, so I've noticed there have been times where I felt enormous anguish and pain, but at the same time, um, in that same moment, feeling a lot of joy and gratitude and just not having to have it be an either or, but that you can have both and you can sit with and just allow whatever comes up. Um, the, you know, the guilt is a shadow emotion and we can acknowledge it and honor it and even learn from it. And so maybe even just kind of pausing and, you know, just thank you guilt for being a teacher in my life. Um, I love you. I honor, I respect you and I release you. 
And um, at the end of the day, I think we all want to live our you know most fulfilled and joyful lives, and we all deserve it. We all are unconditionally deserving of of love and um, acceptance for every bit of who we are, and that comes with you know both the shadow energies as well as the light energies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I appreciate you and and it was great to leave us on a a note of hope and inspiration and that that every one of us deserves to you know to experience joy and experience the light and uh yeah, feel what we have to feel and then allow allow the the light to come in allow it to enter in and fill us up and then shine out like you do i see you be such a bright light in this world carlin and i'm so grateful to get to hear your voice and all of your lessons today thank you so much for being here oh thank you meals it's truly a pleasure and i just love you so much i just respect and am so proud of the work that you're sharing in the world and how you're um bringing forth such um, hopeful messages and connections, deep connections with other people. And I think that's truly helping heal the world. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. And I love you too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Amelia. All right. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Wasn't that a wonderful episode with Carlin and her messages, multiple messages. Home is love. She wrapped up with that, her epiphany. And the offering for anybody who is grieving to abide with. I abide with you. I am abiding with you. I hold space for you. And I'm very present to that right now in our country and in the entire world that I know that there are so many people grieving. I know I personally have lost somebody, someone recently to the, to the pandemic, to COVID. And I'm also inspired by Carlin's, the, her way of moving through her grief and even doing her shadow work and that there, that there is hope. This gave me hope listening to Carlin's Carlin's story and her journey and how she applied her tools of yoga and meditation and and shadow work and ultimately being willing to to show up to show up and look at yourself and it can be hard and it can be tempting to look away and hide and numb out and instead be with the possibility that there is hope and light at the end of the tunnel if you move through, the way out is through. So that's the message of hope that I leave with you and, and I, buy, I abide with you. I abide and hold space for each and every one of you. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is the end of the year almost. We're in the last month. I have one more guest interview for you in this month. In two weeks, I'll be sharing an episode which will touch upon it'll be very timely for the holidays and there might be some mention of food so i'll leave you with that <laughs> and i really appreciate you being here if you enjoy these podcasts or this podcast and my episodes i'd love to have 
a review, a rating for you to leave a note and let me know. It helps me keep going and it lets me know what you're getting out of it and maybe even suggest suggestions of what you'd like to hear in the next year. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. I abide with you, sending you many, many blessings. Peace out.